Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome back to Hornsby's Australia's only live streaming channel covering Australian business and markets. I'm David Kosh. Great to have your company on this Thursday afternoon, just past midday Australian Eastern Standard Time, and that means it is time for the call where we go through 10 stocks suggested by you. We put them to two experts and get their opinion all in the space of 60 minutes. It's a lot of fun, it's very informative, and hopefully you can stick with us through the whole 60 minutes. Joining us, two of our favourites on the panel for the call, Rudy Philippe Van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy, good to see you. Um, right back at you. Always, ah. always good to see you. <laughs> it's always a lot of fun. And uh, Rudy sets himself a challenge, I think, every time he's on a panel with this bloke, Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Uh, last, he, he, when they have a disagreement, Claude, he gets very persistent. I think it's his, his Dutch background coming out uh, to try and get you across the line to his thinking. That's always fun. I like trying to be convinced. And hey, after all, uh, one of the things you need to do as an investor is be able to change your mind. <laughs> exactly right. And see different opinions. So it is, uh, it is a fun 60 and informative 60 minutes ahead of us with these two. And uh, the list of stocks this week, very diverse list. So thank you for sending them in. Uh, don't forget, if you want a stock to be considered on the call, just email it in to us at the call at osbiz.com.au. Let's get stuck into it, gentlemen. And um, and Claude, we, we got sort of the minnow of the oil and gas um, end to kick us off with our 10 stock strike energy, oil and gas exploration and development. Um, have you got a view on strike? I don't have a strong view. Uh, funnily enough, it has been a fair few years uh, since I actually looked at strike energy. Uh, fairly early on in my journey as an investor, I decided that uh, probably this kind of company is not where I should focus my energy. And I could recall looking at it in 2013 when its share price was pretty much the same as it, what, it, what it is today. Wow. So, and yeah, sure enough, that, that's actually a more or less accurate memory. Uh, so I think that sort of tells the story of how difficult it can be to make money out of, uh, I guess, an uh, explorer like this. Uh, of course, they end up issuing a lot of shares along the way. And the, the way, what I'd fall back to to value it is, I guess, the value of its assets. And, and still right now, I still have it trading over the value of its assets. So I don't see a lot of opportunity, but perhaps Rudy has a different view on this one. Yeah, Rudy? <laughs> uh, let me guess, this isn't really on uh, part of your focus, a stock like this. No, 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 no. Well, just as a sidewalk, uh, sidestep, um, Technology One hit an all-time high recently. Ah, after we spoke about them last time. Well done. <laughs> uh, technology one was the one that he tried to convince Claude about. Oh, I thought uh, I was successful time. in that one. Um, yeah, you are pretty successful. Thank you. Thank you, Claude. <laughs> Strike Energy. I, I mean, here is what, there's, there's, there's a couple of angles we can take here. 
One is a, 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 a broad sector angle, is that yeah. there's one sector on the share market that today is still trading at losses as a sector as a whole. Um, when, when we compare share prices to March 2009, which was the, the bottom in the previous grand bear market, yep. and that is the energy sector. Now, that is almost everything you need to know about how that sector has fared over the past 11 years or so, right? Yep. Uh, not very good, right? Yep. Uh, if anyone wants to look it up, Woodside, for example, peaked above uh, $71 in the middle of 2008. It has hardly reached half of that share price ever since, and that was last year. Yeah. Peak. Uh, when it comes to strike, I mean, I always laugh with people who who spend so much time in trying to put a valuation on a stock because the, the, I mean, it's very simple. How much is it worth what you have in the ground, but you can't yet get it out of the ground and get it to your customers? I don't know, but for me, it's zero um, unless they get really serious and to a much more advanced stage. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot to, to get excited here. I mean, these guys. My understanding is they have the largest fund in, in natural gas in Australia on land. So that's massive. Yeah? Mm. But Good story. <laughs> yes, but that needs to, the, so much needs to happen between now and when they finally have the whole everything in place, get it out of the ground, get it to the customers. I mean, so much capital still needs to be found. And I mean, long story short, I think the best option here is that if you are on the register, that someone comes along and says, you know what, I'll just buy the whole lot of it and, and places some kind of a valuation on the shares and you get taken out and you hopefully make, make, make a gain. Right. Otherwise, you have to take a very long view here. Yeah. I mean, and there's no guarantee, depending on how they can attract capital, where they find their partners, what exactly are, are they going to agree with their partners, how is that going to translate into the share price, etc., etc. It can be a long run from here. And I would say at least from here, um, three years. Uh. So in the meantime, what's the share price going to do? Whatever sentiment says, right? whatever the yeah. natural gas price is doing or whatever the next guy is willing to pay for it. Yeah. So I'm, in terms of investment, um, I, you're right. I wouldn't think yeah. this, this should be on too many people's but, radar. But I thought Claude's comment right at the start, Claude, was really interesting. You were saying, when you started your investment journey five years ago, this was on your radar. And that's, that's sort of a mistake that almost a lot of early people getting into investing make, uh, don't they? Let's see if we can find this little gem that's got a great story, as Rudy was saying, the greatest LNG re, uh, natural gas reserves on land in Australia, 13 cents, must be great. I'm going to put a lot of work into this and and you soon realise, hey, it sounds a good story, but as Rudy says, there's a lot to go and do you have the patience? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and that was my thinking at the start. I, you know, I thought I'd uncovered this opportunity for uh, the company to create value by developing these assets. And, uh, you know, maybe they do have valuable assets, but there's a long journey between having some assets that you could potentially develop one day for a profit and there's yeah. a lot of moving pieces such as the oil price and the gas price. And yeah. I can remember, you know, I started pitching that to a few investors I admired and, and very quickly got shot down, basically told, look, why are you looking here? There's, this is, you're, you're trying to make this hard for yourself. Uh, successful <laughs> investing is, I guess. And, that, and that, that's the thing. Yeah, it's just too hard. There are a lot of easier ways on the share market to make money 
they didn't stop right there. So you got to balance it up, really. A lot of people they they treat the share market like a casino. I mean, yeah. you don't have to. I mean, that's one way of playing the share market, and a lot of people do that. I mean, yeah. Take a punt here, take a punt there, but you don't have to do it that way. I mean, as you say, there's lots of other ways of buying companies that make profits, growing profits, growing dividends, and their share price goes up yeah. you know, over time. Uh, Rudy is Resmed. Yes. One of those companies, uh, our second stock. Yes, uh, to I, I, I would, uh, yes. Maybe, maybe full disclosure here, I found out yesterday that both Claude and I are shareholder. So in, I, do, I, don't have, I don't have to convince them anymore. Okay. <laughs> right, we, for those who don't know, ResMed, just um, a terrific health, call Absolutely. it a health tech business, Absolutely. medical equipment, um, sort of a, a really powerful niche in the sleep apnea market is how it established itself. But they are, they are actually, the beautiful story here is they're actually moving beyond that. Yes. They're getting a lot more of a broader view and that's obviously the story you, you have to sell into now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm certain that Claude will give us a lot of uh, statistics and, and, but here's my observation yeah, and people, people should take this one on board. If a company can do it for two decades, then there's research and evidence out there, they can do it for a third. Yeah. And, and, and if you look at that price chart here, um, if you would have a price chart of 20 years, it would look similar. Yeah. And that is obviously the dream chart that you want to see as a long-term investor. Yeah. In the end, it goes up, right? Of yeah. course, there's, there's pullbacks in between, but in the end, it goes up. So the only question I would put to, to, to investors here is, you just decide once at what stage, at what price you get on board. Yeah. And if, you, if we're going back to the, uh, the one-year chart, it pulled back like the rest of the market. But it jumped but really quickly. It, it's basically back to yes. its yes. January yes. levels. Now. And the same, the same can be said, for example, for, for a CSL as well. Right. So yeah. what, what happens in, in, in a share market with quality stock is, is when everything sells, everything sells. Yeah. But they tend to not fall as deeply as the majority of the market, and in particular as the low-quality stocks, but they also bounce much quicker, right? Yeah. And you see exactly, I mean, if you take a, take a view yeah. of five, six months, it actually hasn't lost anything. Yeah. And there are shares out there that are down by 80%. Right. That's the difference. But Claude, obviously you're in ResMed, as, as, as Rudy has dobbed you in with that. <laughs> um, again, yeah. let's get back to the psychology of investors though. Tell me whether you like ResMed at this price first of all, but then your answer to an investor that might go, Oh, have I have I missed the boat on this? It's been so good. Surely it can't replicate that performance for me. Yeah, so I actually think that uh, probably the attraction for the uh, everyday investor who probably prefers to buy and hold style investing, the attraction for Redmond is actually stronger than it is for me. I'm trying to look for really mispriced small caps most of the time, yeah. uh, but Resmat is a large uh, it's a large company. I don't think it's going to be immensely mispriced. Uh, at any given time because there's so many people looking at it but it has a resilient business um, and I also a good position to weather the current storm uh, let me tell you why so first of all uh, the long term looks good because you have this sleep apnea which it which it treats and is one of the best treatments for uh, this is driven by a combination of age and uh, also uh, prevalence of sleep apnea is higher when people are... So you've got these two long-term trends, which is an aging population and also a population that's also overweight. And they, they have driven a demand for their products and will continue to do so in my view. Then on top of that, 
Uh, obviously, with the current uh, respiratory disease that is uh, really making life difficult for everybody, it is about um, breathing and it causes uh, lung damage and stuff like that. I don't think that anything about the current crisis will really reduce demand for the kind of apparatus that ResMet uh, makes. In the meantime, uh, Rudy, you're, you're saying it's now diversified. Yes. It's not it's, just it's, sleep it's more than It's more than uh, sleep apnea now, yes. What's it's the morbid? And are they doing that well? Yes, well, I think they are. The market at first was quite a little bit sceptical, as they are yeah. when companies move beyond their core, comp com core com uh, uh, operations, yeah. basically. But I think they're actually, they're actually on the right track. And that's basically what you would expect from a, from a quality management, is that they continuously find new avenues for growth and to add to their core So, so what are the new avenues? Basically, what they're trying to do is they're trying to build a platform whereby patients um, can be monitored for more than just sleep apnea. Right. And, and, and you can also uh, attract them earlier as a potential for, right. for, for the... For so sort of related, but, yes. but building Ex exactly. on their, on their yes. expertise. Yes. Exactly. Uh, maybe, maybe two things to, to, to point out here. And you're right, but what I said last week about Technology One also applies to, to ResMed. If a company can consistently grow its dividends and its, its profits, then even if you end up by temporarily paying too much for it, you will end up a winner because the share price will respond yeah. over time. Right. The other thing to note- So don't worry too much about time. Exactly. And right. the other thing to note here is uh, on Friday, they will have a quarterly update. Yeah. The share price on, at the moment is a little bit under pressure. Uh, there's two reasons for that. Traditionally, the share price tends to come under pressure a little bit when the result is due because markets, people always go, oh, but that's mm. performed really well. Maybe it might miss right. estimates this time around. Um, that traditionally has, has been a good, good, good time to get on board, in oh, particular if, okay. they, if they disappoint on Friday, yep. because then in a month's time they're up again. Right. Um, and the other thing is, is we, we, we are, the market is trying to portfolio return here, uh, rot rotate here, trying to, trying to um, uh, spend less time with the likes, with the, with the likes of Westman, who have already performed really, really well, and trying to put more money with the guys who have been laggards so far, right. the, the banks and, and et cetera. Right. So that's playing out and that's good for people who want to get on board because that means you haven't missed okay. the boat yet. Mm -hmm. All right, so it could be an opportunity. It, timing could be right on ResMed. All right, our th third stock, furniture retailer, um, a great brand, Nick Scarly. Claude, have we got you back, I think? I um, hope so. Yeah, there you go. You're, that sounds a lot clearer. Um, Nick Scarly. Uh, right, so yeah, this one, um, I'm not sure how much you caught of that ResMed stuff I was saying, but this one doesn't have the same sort of a strong medium and long-term uh, prospects to my mind as uh, ResMed does. I would see this one as having uh, medium-term real trouble ahead. So they've recently, you know, uh, st stood down many of their employees for now. They can't sell out of their shops effectively during lo lockdown. But looking past that, I think that things are going to remain very difficult for Nick Scarly for um, perhaps one, two, or even three years, because um, as we're dealing with this COVID-19 uh, situation, I think what we're going to see is a fairly strong consumer recession. So I think that uh, consumers will not go back to spending as much money as they were six months ago, certainly not. Um, spending as much money on furniture. But second to that, I think there's also a big medium-term kit that Nick Scarley is going to take when more and more furniture sales goes online. So mm. 
one stock that I do own in this space is called Temple and Webster. Now that is an online, essentially a competitor. And I think it will benefit because it focuses completely online and, and knows more about SEO and online marketing. Whereas Nick Scarly has sort of mm. had a bet each way in the past and suddenly online is about to become more important. Okay. All right. Ready? Well, I fully agree with uh, Claude on the, on the consumer spending that yeah. lies ahead. I yeah. think... Because um, furniture is a big ticket item for a lot of people and you're just put off buying a new exactly. leather lounge. I, I, think, I think discretionary retail in general, I think. I think yeah. the damage being done to people's, to household budgets, I mean, yeah. is quite severe. Right? Yeah. And that is somehow going to translate. And we, let's not underestimate, the Australian population is one of the most indebted in the world. Mm -hmm. right? One with the other is yeah. almost guaranteed. Having said so, and I haven't been a fan of discretionary retailers for years because there's so much happening that I mean, they have so much headwinds. Having said so, to my surprise, this is probably one of the better performers in, in that sector. It has been for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's, there's, there's plenty of stockbrokers out there that this is their favorite in, in the sector. Um, but it's so, if you, if you want to bang on management doing the right thing and all that and, and, and them returning to their previous glory days, that is not impossible, but I do agree with Claude. You will, if if you take that avenue, you will have to be patient here. Right. Um, I'm not so sure whether Temple and Webster is a real competitor, since, I mean, these guys actually do furniture. Temple and Webster does a lot of things you put on the furniture, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, but there, it has to be said, we are going, we are going to transform the retail sector, and we are going to order more online. Um, and, and Nick Scully will have to go down that road as well. Yeah. There's, another, there's another angle which we can take as well. That's why we shouldn't completely dismiss it, is that a lot of retailers will come out of this lockdown situation and they will be in dire straits. Um, some of the competitors of, of Nick Scully are owned by the Steinhof Group in, in, uh, in South Africa. Uh. That's not the most well-run company in the world. So there is an opportunity maybe for management to take advantage of weaker competitors Okay. Uh, so that's another angle people can take. I mean, I've read similar uh, analysis, for example, uh, applying to the likes of Cochlear, for example, as well. If you are the strongest one in the sector, you come out of this, you most likely take advantage of, of your competitors who are weaker. Uh, and that might actually play in the hands of, of, uh, of Nick Scali. But again, I think you, you need to be patient here. Okay. So Claude said no, then you said no, and then started to give reasons why you, you maybe might, you, you might take a long-term view. <laughs> so, <yes>. so <laughs> yeah. but uh, can I say no for the moment? No for the moment. On next guy, do you like Temple and Webster as well? It's it's Temple and Webster, um, sort of cords cords right in that yes. in that online area. Yes. it's really built a yeah. great niche, particularly in yeah. in that under thirty-five, under forty market. I'll tell you what Temple and Webster did wrongly. When they immediately after they listed, they completely went down uh, to very low levels because they stocked up on the wrong goods and their numbers were completely uh, effed up. That sort of put them in the, in the naughty corner for me and I haven't right. paid attention ever since. Oh, and okay. I know they've come, they've, they've come around after that. Yeah. But it's sort of, you can only make a first impression once. And right. the first impression to me was Gee. like, mm, you're not that good in, in what you're doing, are you? You just list it. Gee, Rudy. <laughs> um, Claudie's very harsh, isn't he? Give the guys a break. No, I think that's absolutely fair. Right. That's completely <laughs> fair. They, um, they did a bad job at the beginning. Right. 
but they, the quality yeah. management is in, in, they're in the right place at the right time. Our fourth stock is um, um, Credit Corp. Uh, Rudy, um, sorry, Claude, we'll, we'll start with you. Sort of like a, a debt collector, isn't it? Um, invoice, financing, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, but pretty well run. Yeah, so Credit Corp is, uh, I guess, the best performer in what is a really tough uh, sector that has had some um, really unsuccessful companies over the years. The, the core business that they com- compete in is uh, one where they buy debt off people that are unable to collect it. So they buy debt you know, that people don't want to have to collect themselves. And then they have systems to go about collecting that debt off the people that owe the debt. Now, the reason that that drops in a time like this, when it looks like we're going into a recession, is because they have all of this debt that they've already bought um, and that they have a certain calculation that says that they're going to be able to collect on a certain amount of this debt, they think. But of course, when you have something big like this happen and a whole bunch of people lose their jobs, then it's fair to assume that they're not going to actually be able to pay off the debt as well as Credit Corp thought they would. So there's this sort of unknown liability, like there's this unknown loss that they're probably heading for and nobody knows exactly how bad that will be. But in preparation for that loss, I assume um, they have already gone about raising capital uh, to try and bolster the balance sheet and sort of get through this tough time. Um, it's Look, it's a really tough uh, place to operate and I tend to avoid the whole industry for that reason. I will say this for Credit Corp. Over the long term, it seems to have done the best in a tough business, but seems a bit risky for me. Okay. Really? It is, it is without, without question, the, the better performer and the better operator yes. in, in that sector. Yep. Um, everything that Claude shared, said, but here's a different angle, and this, this applies to, to, to a number of other companies as well. A lot of people would have bought the share price at a much higher level, I mean, because it has actually has has actually performed quite well pre uh, sell down this year. Now they've raised a lot of well, they were going to raise a lot of capital. So you basically what you get is you get a sort of like a reset of the company. And those, I mean, a lot of retailers, the retail investors have one major problem: they sell in at a certain price level, and then they can't sell out unless the share price goes back to that level. Right? The problem with that is that some of them will now be condemned to be lifelong shareholders right. because the share price is not necessarily going to back. In cases like Southern Cross Media, U Media, Flight Center, Webjet, you can almost say with very much a lot of confidence the share price is never going to get back where they, where they were. Yeah? So if, you, if you're a retail investor and you cannot sell unless the share price goes back to the price that you bought it for, you have now you have you now committed yourself to a lifelong shareholdership. Yeah? Right. I, I hope people understand that. Of course, you get a reset and people get get shares at a discount, and now everyone everyone's happy now again. There's sort of this similar thematic playing out here. Since Credit Corp is the best one in that sector, the expectation is with the extra capital, the reset of the business, they're going to get a, come out of this better than the other one. So they will take market share and etc. Yep. etc. But the last time they were in trouble. It was 2008-2009, recession, I mean, this yep. time is recession, so it's almost like a, like a Nick Scarley story. If you're, if you're on board, you probably have to be patient, right. I mean, apart okay. from the initial rally after the, 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 the placement, yeah. but uh, because nobody actually knows how this is going to play out. Also, how efficient are they in, in collecting their debt when everyone is still working from home? 
Yep, yep. They they do have a, a pretty good track record, though. They do. In the they whole do. thing. Outside of recession times, yes. Right. But okay. they did get into trouble last time in the recession. Right. And we're now having a recession again. Okay. All right. So, no from you on, on Credit Corp. Um, almost halfway through our stocks. Our fifth stock for today is the health insurer, um, NIV. Um, holdings are um, called an interesting time for um, for health insurers because no one's getting outside, uh, no one's breaking anything. No claims. <laughs> uh, there are no claims. And, and we, we interviewed the managing director of NIB uh, about two or three weeks ago on, uh, on Ausbiz. And he was saying, well, we're thinking of, of doing rebates uh, uh, back, back to their clients because they've got excess cash. Yeah, so this is really a great point that you make. And this is one that I completely missed, but for the exact reasons that you just outlined, this would have been a great one to be buying in the... I think it, it was hard to see these in, the, in that time we had. Uh, but for those companies that actually get some sort of... I think they're the ones that I prefer to try and buy when... Yeah. Panic. Now, there's a, there's a few... Um, key considerations I think of when I look at NIV holdings. The first, which is, and this is, I'm talking more long-term now. Um, the first, which is one reason why I have in the past owned the stock, is their marketing means that they tend to have a younger cohort. Now, I don't know if that's still true, but I'm 99% I'm sure it couldn't change in a short period of time. And as a result of that, obviously, they have this they have this slight advantage so there's this equalization system between the different private health insurers which is um cushions and compensates someone like medibank for the fact that they have an older cohort than nib holdings but it's still advantageous to the insurer to have a younger cohort so it just makes sense um from my perspective anyway to buy um the uh, the insurer that has the youngest cohort and of course on top of that mm -hmm. is on average you're going to have them as customers for longer as well. It's like for the same reason I, I prefer Australian Ethical as a fund manager. It's because they have younger investors that are going to be putting into their super for longer. Well, you've got once somebody's got their health insurance, I don't I've not got the stats in the top of my head, but I'm very sure that people don't change between health insurance very often. Um, so it's great to have those younger cohorts. So for a, for a long term play in health insurance, probably NIB is certainly the only one I've ever owned, and um, it, it's, always, it's always the play there. But then the other side of the coin is that this is a regulated industry. And um, whilst that can be very profitable over the years, regulated industries don't tend to be able to have um, massive outperformance or really high profitability growth for a really long time, or the government sort of regulates it down and says, hey, actually, we don't want you to be that profitable. So it doesn't have that same kind of blue sky potential that I tend to look for in at least the majority of my holding. Okay. All right. So, Rudy, that, that government regulation filter is a powerful one over this sector, isn't it? Well, that's basically what... And the government knows it needs to reform that industry. That industry yeah. is actually in dire straits. Yeah? And it's quite, quite interesting because that whole thesis that Claude just put forward, that is about to be tested in the years ahead because it, it is undeniable that older people get more benefits out of their private insurance yeah. and the younger people are financing that. They get less benefits. So the irony here is that 
those youngest, those young members will obviously be the first ones to be put under pressure to give up their private insurance, yeah. right? Because yeah. they're they're paying for it basically, and that's the pressure that 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 goes in the system. And um, I think if anyone is going to give up uh, private insurance, it's, it'll be the younger ones. Right. But again, that that will be put to the test over the years ahead. In general terms, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of the industry because you just see the headwinds lying ahead. But having said so, um, both NIB and its bigger competitor, Medibank, private, they've they've performed better than I thought they would. So they've definitely surprised over the years, and they are they are uh, for dividends also very good as well. They they tend to increase their dividends over the right. years, yeah. which is which is a very good sign. But again, I can't pa I can't get past those headwinds that are allowed. and and governments and reform. Yeah. I mean, we can have a beard until it finally <laughs> happens. But I'm, I'm I mean, Ramsey Healthcare is still waiting for the UK and for France to uh, to uh, to uh, reform their healthcare sectors. But I mean, we all know it. It has to happen. And maybe this whole pandemic will will bring changes to the healthcare industry in yeah. general. And then we just have to see again whether how that's going to pan out for the insurers. Yeah. Because. The hospital operators in particular are under pressure as well. Yep, too right. All right, bit too uncertain. All right, we're halfway through, five stocks down, five to go. Just a recap uh, uh, from both Rudy and Claude, a no on, uh, on Strike, the little oil and gas producer. A yes on ResMed, one of those just great Australian stocks you've got to be involved in. Uh, a no for Nick Scarly, but uh, Claude likes Temple and Webster, the online retailer, as a better alternative. No for Credit Corp and a no for NIB. So let's get stuck into the second half. And, uh, you know, if I told you Viva Energy and uh, put that up, I reckon 90% of you would be um, not the professional side of the audience of Osbys, but retail investors will be going, what the hell is Viva Energy? Well, if I said they own all the Shell, uh, they own the Shell brand here and all of the 1300 retail outlets, then it starts to put it in some context. Um, pretty big business, uh, Rudy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, we have to we have to distinguish. There is a Viva Energy, and there's a Viva Energy REIT. This yep. is this is the REIT. Yeah. So this, as you said, this is the these are the guys who actually own the stations. Yep. The other guys are doing the oil, right? Yep. So they're yep. the suppliers. And they've um, got a link with Chevron, don't yes, they? Yes, yes. And they, they also do airlines as well, which is not, right. a, not a great time now. Right. Nobody, nobody, nobody's in the queue now for that. <laughs> but I mean, I'm actually shareholder in the REIT. Um, I find it one of the, under normal circumstances, one of the most reliable, decent, mm -hmm. solid. Because basically what, what, what the arrangement here is that a lot of those stations are being run as a, as a, in franchise. And um, when you're running one of those stations, you're basically under a contract of, of your, your, your burden, your cost burden, what you pay to the, to the companies is about 2 or 3% higher each year. Yep. So it's inflation protected. And, yep. they, and they pay that out to, uh, to their shareholders. Plus, they, they, every once in a while, they will acquire extra stations, which basically adds to the growth. Uh, I mean, I've been a shareholder for quite a while. Right. Um, it's, it's quite a high yield. Yep. Obviously, no franking. Right. Uh, but if you, if you combine everything then it's actually quite a relatively low risk profile. Right. And what do you think of, uh, of Viva Energy? I can totally understand uh, why Rudy likes it uh, sort of for the long term income. However, it's probably one that I would have uh, not lost my attraction to as we went into this pandemic. I'm a little bit concerned about the short term impacts uh, on the company. Now, look, luckily, I 
think that it can easily handle its debt. I think there's going to be long-term um, demand for almost the same number of uh, service stations that we currently have. So it's probably fine, except we literally have a situation right now where the government's basically said we're, ex we're expecting tenants and landlords to discuss, I guess, rent reductions. So I wonder if there's going to be a hit to the income there. And then if that might flow on to having a write down, I don't, I don't know that this is the case and I'm not saying it will be the case. I'm just highlighting the risk that it's possible that if rents go down, that they're going to say, okay, well, we have to devalue the investment properties. Now that's not the end of the world, but it, it does mean that the statutory profit and loss will look bad in the short term. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of situation where I'd probably look to be buying after anything like that has come out rather than beforehand. Okay. Rudy, is that on the cards, do you think? Since they have that close relationship with their, with their franchises, I mean, I mean, a lot of companies are helping their relationships. I mean, yeah. REA is doing it, car sales is doing it. Um, I mean, it, I don't think the hit will be at that. I mean, it, it sort of happens in amicable terms. I mean, like you're going to pay less, but you pay me more back later or yeah, maybe yeah, deferred. Yeah, on to the exactly. end. Exactly. So, the so I, of course, we'll have to see how it goes. But I would think that close relationship they have with their operations is yeah. probably going to somehow okay. insulate them from, from very bad news. All right. Uh, a yes from Rudy based, if you want a good yield stock, a no from Claude. Our seventh uh, stock, Claude, uh, Appen, uh, sort of machine learning, artificial intelligence business. Yeah, this is my favorite stock that we're talking about today, um, which is one that I've owned for quite a long time now. Uh, so either, I guess the, the core of Appen's business is not the only business, but the core of Appen's business is providing uh, the data tagging uh, that is required for uh, big companies like Google and Facebook who uh, do machine then try to like machine learning like ad placements and all manner of things like there's there's been some controversy about for example like military use of machine learning and stuff and and whether data taggers should be involved with that and all that kind of thing um but either way clearly it's not just um any one use this this use for this data tagging trained machine learning algorithms is um very extensive and it's only increasing over the years which is what we've seen in Appen's uh, revenue, profits, and of course, share price. And so you've got this nice, it makes sense that Appen's share price has been going up over the years because their business has been increasing and they've been making more profits and they've been increasing their dividends and everything you want to see is there. Now, you've got a bit of a, a flat run recently, um, which is has to do uh, making this acquisition. Now, they've previously made a very successful acquisition, which, which you sort of see earlier in the chart. And then the flat bit has this been this figure eight acquisition which is essentially a company that was maybe marginally profitable, not really profitable when they bought it, uh, but basically should have good synergies. And essentially they're buying the technology and also partly buying a competitor to allow them to do video tagging much more efficiently. Previously, mm -hmm. they, were, they weren't so strong there. And look, I think that the initial with the most recent report is that actually that's, that's going quite well now. And that to me puts um, Appen on a path where it can keep growing for another few years. And of course, whilst there may be some short-term headwinds due to the due likely recession and all of that kind of thing, this company has huge and big, powerful customers who, for the most part, will be able to continue spending throughout a recession. Yes, it will have some headwinds along the way, but 
and there are smaller customers too. But overall, I, I say this one's actually one of the more resilient ones. And as a result, I, um, I did buy shares. Now, Rudy and I had a, had a slight a discussion about whether I was being too bearish though, because once the share price came up a little bit, so I bought under $20. Once the share right. price came, I bought more under $20. Once it came up a little bit, they said, oh, look, you know, there might be some short-term headwinds around ad spend. I did take a little bit off the table, but throughout the last few months, I've, I've ended up with more shares than I had previously. Okay. So shares recently, and I, I would, I, I, maybe I am buying it tomorrow or the day afterwards. I have no problem buying at these levels. Right. Um, and yes, what, what Claude was referring to is that sometimes the details um, count. When, when Apple gave, gave its guidance recently, they, they kept its, the guidance unchanged, but the guidance incorporates a Aussie dollar at 70 cents US. Mm. We're not there. No. So that's almost like a free kick they have, a free buffer yep. they have in their guidance for potential disappointments, uh, which basically means it actually goes the other way around. I mean, uh, the, the technology uh, sector analysts at Bell Potter this week uh, updated their findings. And they think there's two stocks in the sector that are likely to upgrade their guidance over the next two, two, two months. Uh, one of them is Appen, and the other one is Unity Group. Um, and of course, the first one I thought, oh, Appen again, well, that's fine. Maybe because that's, that's usually what, what, what they yeah. do. They come out relatively conservative. And then as the year approaches towards its end, they go like, hey, we've actually done better. Right. And they will have that free kick from the, from the Aussie dollar because even after the recent run up, it's nowhere near the 70 cents yet. So right. they have incorporated, very smart of them, by the way, because you do build up a legacy when you're, when you're listed. And when you do get a legacy of sometimes you hit and misses, investors start treating you in a different way. If you build up a legacy of consistently performing, yeah. then I mean, you, get, you get the positives of that as well. So uh, I would be, uh, have no hesitation in, in adding okay. to my holdings. All right. Uh, good little, te as good as technology one? Uh, no. <laughs> I, but thought I, I thought I had him there, Claude. But, but it is, no. but it is yeah. in, in a basket of, let's say, half a dozen of quality technology stocks in Australia, this is in the basket. Right, okay. All right. So, uh, so yes from Rudy and uh, uh, Claude likes it. Maybe not at these levels. He's waiting for a, for a pullback. Um, our eight stock is, um, well, Horizon is Australia's largest uh, rail freight company. Is that, yes, it's yes, the old, they are. Uh, Queensland Rail, isn't it? Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's that's in there. They, uh, I think they're all neighbours Asiano, I think. Right, Asiano. Right. Um, here's a funny thing. I mean, this is obviously related to coal, coal volumes. Uh, I mean, um, despite of what our political elite tries to tell us in this country, but coal is on the way out. Yes, it's a long, drawn-out process. But in two or three decades from now, nobody's going to talk about it anymore about firing up coal-fired coal power stations. Yep. Um, and they are obviously directly linked to what, to what we ship and, and transport around in Australia in terms of volumes. Okay. Everyone is looking, as you, as you hinted at earlier, everyone is looking in the, sector, in, in the financial sector now, where can we put our customers for a reliable dividend yield? They're putting forward Horizon on multiple occasions, on my observation. That may well be true for the, for the next year, two, three years, I think. But again, just like with NIB, you sort of see the headwinds. They're, they're coming. I mean, yep. It will come at some stage. I mean, this company either has to diversify and to do something different, or it will have to find a replacement for, for those coal volumes. I mean, because coal volumes will not keep on rising 
from here onwards. Yeah. Yeah? Um, but for the for the time being, I mean, they're obviously they're strategically positioned. They have a very good relationship with with their customers. Um, they they obviously have the, the, the cash flow coming in under those contracts, uh, so the dividend uh, looks secure. Yeah, it's quite high. Yeah. Um, but I I, would, I can't get past the fact that that is a, that is a, a short right. term uh, security that will not last forever now. Right. Okay. And you don't want to be caught with it when yes. the times exactly. change. Claude, what's your view? So looking at this stock always reminds me of the chart of the, the day in the life of the Thanksgiving turkey. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lovely life right up until Thanksgiving uh, and then suddenly it's dead. And I think that to Horizon, uh, so the, the thing that will eventually kill it, in my view, is the huge debt load. And now it's not going to have anything to do with some world event or anything it'll just purely have to do with the fact that australia can't decide that the world is going to use coal forever that's not that's not up to us that's up to all the customers and it's going to be a really slow process now there's a good there's a possibility that that takes long enough that if you bought shares now you get so much out of dividends that it would be worthwhile but the dividends um only like five or six percent or somewhere between there I don't think that's enough to compensate for the fact that one day the market is going to start pricing in, I guess, the end of this company or the, or the fact that you've got these assets that are actually going to be not worth as much once um, coal starts getting phased out in a meaningful way. Right. But it could be a long way off. So I wouldn't panic if I owned... wouldn't be um, focusing my energies on trying to uh, understand the opportunity when I know that I would much prefer buying to a company that's going to actually be bigger, stronger, better, and even more important in, in 10 years rather than less right. so. Okay. Apple, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. One is the future. The other one is unfortunately. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and you, as we said before, you don't want to get caught in it. All right. Uh, so I know from a, for a rise and from our, our panel, uh, ninth star stock, we we looked at Viva with the with the Shell brand a bit earlier, uh, the ninth stock on the call today, which you've asked us to look at. Caltex, the oil company. Uh, Claude, what do you reckon of Caltex? Uh, I'll tell you what, they're gouging, uh, they're gouging the market at the moment, particularly in diesel, let me tell you. Where, where's the diesel price coming down yeah. to 80 or 90 cents? Still a dollar 25. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I think you need to be a bit of an expert on um, the market rules to understand this better than I do. So I won't I won't have a strong view. But what I will say is that whereas most things have bounced back pretty strongly in the last few weeks, um, it hasn't been a particularly strong bounce for Caltex, of course, because the oil price has been so so low. At some point, I think clearly this is this sort of a good contrarian. Uh, play uh, because I think that it will survive this um, this terrible time. However, we still don't really know how long this lower activity will will continue for. So we're going to have a reopening, but we don't know how much we can reopen, how quickly we can re reopen, and whether we need to like start closing things down again. Perhaps in winter, you know, there's some suggestion that this uh, COVID could could happen could be worse in winter and if so we may actually have to have restrictions again so 
it's, it seems going to be a bumpy ride for a while. And um, I would probably not focus my energies there. But having said that, it's definitely going to be, there's going to be a contrarian opportunity at some point because these kind of uh, re- or these stocks that are leveraged to the energy market, which is so volatile right now, they're always going to, over, well, usually going to overshoot on the low side unless, of course, they go bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rudy, problem with a, an oil retailer, for us as investors, we think, oh, oil prices so low, they're going to hit, margins will be terrible, but... No, they'll keep their margins. The margin has got bigger, yes. hasn't it, while the, the, this the, has the, been going? The margin is actually set in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, so it, it it can it can d- disappoint and, and sometimes it's higher and lower than 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 Caltex would like it to, yeah. uh, but it's pretty much set in Singapore. Um, yeah. I think with regards to Caltex, I mean, I'm going to relight my best French now. <laughs> I think it's very simple, Marin. A French company called Coustar is very very much interested and recently abandoned their takeover bid for Caltex. Yeah. Um, they're not interested in the refinery, but they, they do like the network of um, convenience stores around the yeah. country. Like Viva's got reshelf. Yep. Yes, and so Coustard is very, that's their specialty. I mean, they're yeah. Canadian, they're French. Um, they have basically signaled that they, they've, they've let it down now, let it go now because of the many insecurities, but they'll be back, right? right? And with a French accent, I'll right. be back. Right? <laughs> I think for investors, it's very simple here. You follow the money. Yeah? It, it been, I've been saying this, the same thing when, when the Lois sold out of Westfield. Don't go there. I mean, these guys know more than you and I do. Yeah. If Kustar doesn't come back, I mean, don't go there. I mean, yeah. There's a reason why they don't come back. Right. Otherwise, sit there and wait for them to come back. They're going to offer a price which is above the current share price. I mean, right. But that, I think, is the long and the short of Caltex right now. I mean, either the Canadians come back. If they don't come back, get worried and go away. Okay. So, would you get set in it now, punting that the French will, uh, the Canadians will come back? See, my strategy is never that I'm going to buy something in the expectation that someone's going to going to hand some free yeah, money yeah. to me. I mean, yeah. that's not my style of investing. But right. I can see the rationale. If you have no problems with that, you just wait for them to come back. Right. And they, they they seemed very motivated. They probably will come back. But again, they might take a year. They might yeah. take 15, 18 months to yeah. come back. So I rather have stocks that, that, that go up okay. for other reasons, more fundamental driven reasons, because they're good, good companies, right. instead of someone is going gonna, is gonna to take right. out his wallet and, uh, and make me happy. All right. So now on Caltex from both Rudy and Claude. Uh, the stock, of course, is uh, uh, the biggest Australian airline brand in terms of Qantas. Claude, we're always told by these companies when they're on their knees that they're in crisis. You can't get a bigger crisis than the airline industry at the moment. Does that entice you to look at Qantas? Uh, it, it does entice me to be more positive about uh, Qantas. So for a while, at the, at the beginning of this, uh, as it sort of become, started becoming apparent what was happening, I was actually short Qantas. Uh, so uh, from memory, I think I've closed out all of that and no longer have a position. I've mentioned before, I was short like Flight Center and Webjet and all of these sort of travel stocks. Um, so Qantas was one of them. Now with Qantas, the reason that I would not think that it would go to zero is because I think that it, it is absolutely core. And you know, they, they've had no trouble raising capital and stuff like that. So it's an absolutely core business. At this point, um, you know, Virgin's down and out. So I think that if there's sort of, any airline that I was ever going to look at buying shares in, it would be Qantas. But 
the catch is I've never bought shares in any airline ever. Uh, and the reason for that is that uh, basically I just don't think that they're businesses that are easy to make money in. Now, Qantas is, is a bit special because Australia is so reliant on air travel domestically. But still, mm. you know, it's still a tough business as this whole pandemic has shown. And, and it's not just this, you know, September 11 caused problems for air travel. Um, the GFC problems for airlines. Uh, any kind of disruption to uh, business as usual always hits air travel. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a tough one that I would tend to avoid. But you're absolutely right. The, the time is usually when it's down and out, but I wouldn't assume that the pain is over yet because, as I've said before, we just don't know how long this is going to drag on for, and I think air travel will be one of the last things to come back. Yeah, it will be. No, it's no for me. I mean, right. I think we should buy the tickets, not the stocks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, uh, because, say... Because, again, it is so uncertain. Yes. Um, whenever yes. it comes back, even the Virgin issue. Um, oh, yeah. If, if, if Virgin, Virgin goes, goes out oh, and you've yeah. got a monopoly, uh, great for Qantas. If Virgin gets sold, restructured as a, uh, a low-cost cut-price carrier, yes. then not necessarily, uh, such a, not necessarily no. good for Qantas. No. Um, no, at all, no. so and there are a lot of balls in exactly, there. Exactly, and don't underestimate if we do get if we do get a second wave of the virus and we can't open yet. Yeah, um, they still have to be grounded. Yeah, more yeah, for exactly. longer. Yeah. So it's, it's so much insecurity. Um, it's for me, it's just too much. Yeah, yeah, easier. As we have been saying a lot on the show today, easier stocks to look at than uh, than Qantas. Uh, let's just do a recap of the uh, the final five. Uh, Viva Energy, a note from Claude. Um, a yes from Rudy if you're looking for yield and good solid yield. Uh, both the guys uh, love Appen. Um, a rise and a no, except if you if you want good yields, but it's a stock that's got to run out of time, if you like, because of the, of the coal mines. Uh, Caltex a no and Qantas a no. Uh, Claude Walker from uh, The Rich Life, always great to, uh, to have you on the program. Really appreciate your time today. We'll catch up next week. And Rudy Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy, always great to catch up as usual. See you next week. Uh, that's it for the call. 10 stocks, 60 minutes, two experts. We'll be back uh, midday tomorrow if you want to send.